Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1. So we've been studying through the book of Acts, and we have kind of taken um, a little turn from Acts, um, but we're looking in the book of Colossians which is actually connected to where we were just at in Acts chapter 18 and 19. Because Paul ran across a guy who was from the town that we're actually uh, reading this letter that Paul actually wrote to. And then in this, Paul has heard some of the things, the struggles that these believers are going through. And he's heard the hard that they've experienced in their life. And he's heard that there are people that are coming in and planting bad seeds of non-truths to lead people away from Jesus Christ. And in this letter that we've studied for a couple of weeks, what we've seen is the ask of Paul for us to take off worldliness, if you will, and take off our own desires and exchange them for the the, uh, beauty that Christ actually gives us. That's been the heart of, of this entire letter. And Pastor Morgan did an amazing job last week of uh, reminding us that the clothes that the world gives us are but rags, and we have the beautiful, richest garments that Christ desires to place upon us, spiritual designer clothes, Pastor Morgan shared with us last week. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and take a look at that. So as I read through um, this, um, this book, thinking about how we would go through this book, I wanted to go through chapter 3 and then come back and pick up the end of chapter 1. Uh, at the end of chapter 1, Paul is really reminding us who Jesus actually is. And in this, he's really laying out a, a beautiful picture of the supremacy of Christ. And in this, he is remi- he's taking us back to the core root of the gospel and what God has actually done for every single one of us. And in that, Paul's reminder to us is that God holds all supremacy. He is the head of all heads. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So this week, um, as... as um, as I do often, uh, once a month at least, I actually got my uh, cell phone bill. Now, I don't know how, um, how some of you do with bills. Some, some people just pay bills, and um, they just trust that whatever the bill is, is, is the bill, and they go along with whatever the bill is. Um, but that's not how I pay bills. I go through every single detail of the bill. I've even been known to calculate the tax to make sure that the percentage is right on the tax because I like holding on to my pennies. And if it's mine, I am not going to give it away. Uh, I do this um, with taxes 
If the government says that I don't have to pay something, I don't pay it. And I know on my bills what my bills are supposed to be. And I will hang on the phone until I get somebody that actually agrees and understands the way that I'm actually laying out my case for what my bills are supposed to be. So this week I got my cell phone bill. And I don't know why, but it was different from what it had been in months past. And so um, I actually have a contract. And in my contract, my bill's not supposed to go up. It's supposed to be the same thing. I looked at it and I saw an extra charge on my um, on my bill for something that used to be free. So I called, uh, had a conversation with my particular, my particular cell phone company, uh, who I did not actually contract with services with. I contracted with another company, and this company merged with the company that I used to be a part of. And so now I have to call the Magenta number and find out what's wrong with my cell phone bill. And in that, there's a charge that used to be free, but they said, now that you're with T-Mobile, um, I wasn't going to say the name. <laughs> I apologize. Erase that and we'll rewind that, right? Um, now that you're with this company, um, it's no longer free. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't change the game in the middle of building cycles. Because if it is no longer free, then I don't want the service. I, it was a bonus that I actually got added on. And so I spent a long time with this person that I was talking to. And then it finally hit me. The person that I'm talking to doesn't have the authority to fix this for me. Have you ever talked to those customer service people on the phone? They just don't have the authority. And so I said... Is there somebody that can fix this for me? No, Mr. Chambliss, it's me. That I said, no, no, no. I promise you, there is somebody there that will understand. Two people later, I finally got the, the small charge taken off my bill. But those first two people I talked to, they didn't have the authority to fix it for me. And what I have figured out is that if you're willing to pay the time you can eventually find somebody with some authority that can help you out. You know what Paul's saying in Colossians chapter 1? He is saying Jesus holds all authority. And sometimes we wrestle with each other just because it's life in itself, thinking that we're battling each other when what we have to do is step back from the struggles in life that we actually have and ask and talk to the one who holds all authority. Paul says, out of Jesus, everything that ever was actually has come into existence. And here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, we're going to read through um, several verses here. And Paul is saying, Jesus has the authority. Whatever the need is in your life, and we're, we're not just in this so that we can be beggars of God and we can have all of our needs net, because that's not what a relationship with Jesus actually is. The relationship with Jesus, the relationship with God, actually is acknowledging that He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. We are just the creation who uh, were created, yes, in His image, but created out of the dust of the earth. And without Him, that's all we actually are. But in this life itself, we actually have needs. We actually have things that we carry that are heavy. 
And what Paul is saying is Jesus is the one who holds authority over all of those things. So Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 15, and we'll read through 24 here, 23. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so what Paul has reminded us here is that Jesus is the head. He's the top. And the beautiful picture that Paul paints for us is that everything that has ever been created actually was created by God. And so we can actually then agree and understand whenever we stand on the beach and we look out in the ocean, we think, oh, wow, how amazing is that? That God created the ocean. He created the sand that we would stand on. It's easy to look then at the trees it's easy to stand at uh, something as magnificent as the Grand Canyon and look out over the canyon, to look at the sky, to look at the clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, and say, yes, God made all of those things. And it's amazing how God actually made all of those things. But the reminder here for us from the Apostle Paul is that all things in heaven and earth are not only created by God and created for God, but they're held together by Christ's supreme authority. And so I've underlined the first two words of this, all things in heaven and earth. And then I've highlighted the held together. Because Paul is saying that all things are actually held together. Not only did God create the sand and create the oceans, not only did God create the stars, the sky, the clouds, the moon, and we could go on and on and on, the trees, the ground. Did he create water? He created everything. But not only did he create those things, but he's actually holding those things together. He is the one that is directing those things. He is the one who holds those things in his hands, and he is the one that is actually guiding those things. So take a look at verse number um, 16 with me, if you would. For by him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and actually for him. So we can get that nature was created by God. We can grasp the fact that God made the grass and the trees. That's one of the easy things for us. But then what Paul is reminding us here is it's not just those things that God actually gave us. But there's a step further in this when he starts talking about rulers and he starts talking about authorities. If we were, if I were to ask you to raise your hand and say, do you believe that God created the grass? Probably the majority of us would raise our hands in here this morning. We would go that route if we said, did God make the water? Yes, absolutely. But whenever we start asking the question, and I, I, I'm going to walk on thin ice here, but that's okay, because I'm standing on the authority of the Scripture. Whenever we start asking the question, did God give us the rulers, the authorities that we're under, it starts to get a little dicey, and for some of us, the hair on the back of our heads actually stands up. Did God give us Donald Trump as a president? Did God give us Joe Biden as a president? Well, if, if we dive into the truth of the Scripture and we read Colossians 1, chapter 15, we have to say, absolutely, he did. Well, some of the wrongs that could have come out of those presidencies, how is that even possible? How is it possible for God to give us something that could then maybe lead us to some point of wrong? You see, God gives us exactly what we need. I don't understand, and none of us do understand the mind of God. We can't understand why God would give us this ruler or this principality or this authority. I don't understand it, but that's how God works. And the promise of the Scripture is that all things are held together by him. Our responsibility as followers of Christ is to walk in relationship with that God and to push others to understand the truth of the Scripture. I don't know how God works in this. I don't know if God steps into the voting booth with us and actually guides each one of us. I do pray before, before I vote. I don't know if God places it in our heart. I don't know how God works. But all I know is God gives us exactly what we need. And the purpose of giving us what we need is to push us deeper into relationship with him. It's not about the country. It's not about us. And it's not even about our finances or the state of the economy. Everything is all about God. That's, that's what Paul is reminding us here of the supremacy of Christ. We get rulers to push us closer to Jesus Christ. One of, the, uh, one of our good friends um, actually serves in China. He went to China uh, and started a school in China. And there, through the school that he actually has in China, uh, and teaching English as well as other subjects, um, he is blessed to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church in China, for the most part, is an underground church. 
And there they actually hide from the authorities because they're not able to worship Jesus Christ because the government is actually scared whenever the scriptures talk about the kingdom. And they, just like it was in Jesus' day when he was here, they're scared that the church is going to rise up and overtake the government and they don't understand the kingdom that Jesus is actually talking about. One of the things that our friend uh, who uh, ministers in China has actually told us is the church in China actually prays for persecution. I said, what do you mean they, they pray for persecution? He said, because they understand and they have experienced in their life whenever there is strong opposition or persecution, that's when they are closest to Jesus Christ. Because if there is another avenue that they can take, then they don't have to have Jesus in their life. When there's another exit to get off of the road, they'll take that exit, but the opposition and the persecution requires that they walk in close relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes God gives us the authorities, the rulers, to push us deeper in relationship with him. But not only does Paul talk about the authorities, the rulers, the governments, if you will, here in Colossians chapter 1. In verse 18, he actually says, He, that's Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Now, we would actually probably think that, okay, this is something that we would actually agree with, right? That Jesus is the head of the body. That Jesus absolutely is the head of the church. We would, for the most part, all actually agree that the local church can never be headed by a human. There can't be a head of the church because Jesus is the head of the church, Now, there can be some human leaders that the Lord has gifted responsibility to, but those leaders are not the head. One of my dearest friends uh, that we actually, as a church, are partnering with them in ministry, uh, Robert and Judy Weeks, one of the things that Judy Weeks, whenever she was pastoring, reminded her church was she is not the shepherd. Her church started talking to her about her being the shepherd, and she reminded the church she's not the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. In her role, she was just the under-shepherd actually serving underneath Jesus. And for every one of us, we have to recognize that Jesus is the head of the church, that he is actually the head of the body, and no earthly office could ever come anywhere near close to the leadership role that Jesus actually has. Our job as leaders in the church and our job as members in the church is to make certain that we are pursuing a relationship with the head of the body. And as we pursue the head, then what we begin to realize is that we're all walking in alignment with each other. The authority that God has given to us as the under-shepherds or as the one who have responsibility to lead the church is an authority that is on loan. And at any given time, he can revoke that authority if we walk out or step out of alignment with him as the head of the church. Paul is saying that Christ must be supreme, that we must be individuals who yield and actually listen to him. 
I love this passage of Scripture because of the significance of what it has for each and every one of us in relationship with Jesus Christ. It reminds us that He is the supreme head of all things. And it reminds us of some other passages of Scripture. Pastor Morgan read this from Colossians chapter 3 last week when he said, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So where should our minds be? Not on the principalities, the rulers, and the governments that we have here. Our minds should not be on the possessions that we actually have here, or not even on the struggles and the hardships that we're going through here. Our minds, instead, Paul says, should be our minds and our hearts should be on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He goes on to say in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. This passage also reminds me of the beginning of John. If you're not in a community group, I encourage you to be in a community group. We studied through John chapter 1 and John chapter 2 this last week. And the beginning of John chapter 1 says this, in the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory. Glory as of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the writer from Hebrews actually says it in chapter 1 as well. In these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What Paul is saying, what John said, and what the writer of Hebrews says is that outside of Jesus, nothing can exist because he actually created it. And whenever we take that truth and we apply it to every area of our life, things begin to change for us. We have to see other people for who they are, created by God, just the way that we are. We have to see people that don't look like us, they don't act like us, and sometimes they don't smell like us, as also created in the image of God for a purpose and by God with his plan. The choice for all of us, for all of us, is are we going to accept and walk in the plan that God has for us and in his will? Whenever someone is wrong, they've stepped outside of the plan or the will of God. And what that means for us is that we have to love them back into relationship with Jesus Christ. He created them. He has a plan and a purpose for them. We don't have responsibility to change them. We don't have any way that we can redeem them. He already died for them. We don't have to. 
All we have to do is love them back into alignment with a God who has a plan and a purpose for their life. And that's what Paul, at the end of what we read this morning, talks about the gospel. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That's the gospel that Paul is actually writing about. The gospel that has power to change every single one of us. And the gospel that is our actually hope. Paul has given us a beautiful picture of what God's plan is in every area of our life. And that is to bring the kingdom of God and establish it in the hearts of every single one of us. Not to set up an earthly kingdom, but to set up inside of each one of us the hope for now in the kingdom, but also the hope in the kingdom that he's preparing for us in all of heaven. And Jesus prayed this, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it actually is in heaven. What we have to reconcile within ourselves is who are we? Who are we? John wrote this in 1 John chapter 3. He said, how great the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that he did not know them that they did not accept the love that God had for them, that they too would be called the children of God. You see, in order for us to grasp the truth of the supremacy of Christ that Paul is writing about, we have to understand who we actually are. That we are not the head, that he is the head. That we are not the shepherd, he is the shepherd. That we are not the decider of the plan or the purpose. He is the decider of the plan or the purpose. Our job is to submit to his supremacy. But instead, the temptation that we all fall prey to is that we want to believe the lies that the enemy has for us. That God would allow us to make the decisions, to be whatever it is that we decide that we would want to create. Instead of falling in alignment with the plan and the purpose that God actually has for us. Paul is saying that Jesus is supreme. That Jesus is the Lord of all. Uh, the Lord of all. And he says in verse 17, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. That has to be true for us in our lives as well. Not just the waters, not just the sand, the sky, the moon and the stars and the sun. Not just those things, but for us in every detail of our life as well. And him, all things actually hold together. So what are the things in your life that it might seem like are tearing apart? What areas in your life does it seem like it's beginning to crumble? We've got to go back and live out the truth of the supremacy of Christ in every one of these areas. And whenever it seems like the house is on fire, we have to say, hold on just a second. God's holding all things together. And while the house might be on fire, it may be that God wants to build a better house than the one that may be on fire. And we've got to reconcile with what Paul has said here. Either God is supreme or he's not supreme. 
And then if we accept the truth of the scripture and say he is supreme, then we come in alignment with every area of our lives so that he truly can hold all things together. But I have to tell you, this is hard. This is the hardest thing that any of us can ever do. When the world seems like it's spinning out of control, when it seems like country after country are rising up and undermining each other, it seems like the economy is spiraling, it seems like we're not certain in the craziness of the government that we actually have, and it seems like even in the people that we surround ourselves with, that we read about online, on the newspapers, and watch on TV, are becoming more and more opposed to the truth that we actually stand on, it's hard. It is hard. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that we turn our back on the truth that Paul has given to us. Because here's what I know. Truth, that's Jesus, always trumps the hard. And if we would allow the Holy Spirit to sustain us in the hard, then the victory that comes in relationship with Jesus Christ will not just be his, but would also be ours. That's what Paul has written for us here in Colossians chapter 1. That's the assurance. That is the hope that is inside of each and every one of us. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.